0: Uh, Welcome to the Claim the Throne blogcast. Thanks for tuning in again where today we're going to smash on about our most recent tour and tell you what it is really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2017. I'm Cabba and I'm here with Ash. How you going as always, Ash? Uh, Very good, mate. Uh, I'm going to cut that into a new intro for sure. (laughs) Good. I just about fell asleep after listening to that intro again keep forgetting to uh, make it shorter, a lot shorter, Jacob. You mentioned the new Trailer Park Boys. Is it good? Oh, you haven't seen it? Of course I have, yeah. I watched it all in the first day it came out, like I always do. Yeah, shit. Oh, so you know, um who the fuck's this skip who keeps trying to call me? <laughs> yeah, I do want to watch it all again because, um, yeah, it is hard to soak in all of the amazing jokes. Disappointing a couple characters were missing, like J-Rock, but was still really cool. Uh, I like how they always do now where Leahy is okay for the first few episodes, like back on track, and then he just like fully goes off the rails. Thanks for spoiling it. Oh, shit. I thought you said you'd just watched it all. No, 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 no. I'm like four eps in. Well, I guess there's all the other people. Yeah, that's all good. I don't care.
1: What can you do? Okay, so I did... I did start writing a list. I've just gotten out of the shower, two Just Aces and one to get changed. <laughs> and um, Have you been using um, the band tool Evernote? No, but I was listening to a podcast just before I jumped into my first Just Ace <laughs> and they were talking about how the guy is learning Evernote at the moment. Yeah, right. And whereas the other guys prefer to use a um, notebook as is tradition yeah. because they don't like
0: to rely on technology just in case all their ideas go one day. Are you talking physical notebook Physical notebook. Or On the iPhone notebook. Yeah, right. I've seen Dicey Dyson before. The most organized person I know uses a physical notebook. Definitely. And I've started to, and that's actually what this thing is.
1: And uh, I write down ideas in it on the train on the way to work. Cool. You must look really cool on the train. I look like the biggest fiag ever. <laughs> so what have you written in it? Uh, just a whole, basically a whole podcast script. Tell Caberry's yeah, a cockhead. Yeah. A whole scripts for. Um, my other podcast I do, just because then I can be quite efficient when I do it, as opposed to this, where we just kind of yarn. I spend my day at
0: work doing that. Instead of working, I've started writing my um, podcast notes at work, and then get home and record the podcast about the notes that I've just written, the very notes. About that,
1: Cabba, why, and where is the latest episode of Making Music? I've been hanging out for it.
0: Well, I was going to do it today, but now I have to do the old Claim the Throne Bludge cast again. It uh, will be coming out the Savo.
1: I was a bit late with our last step because of tour, so we should talk about that.
0: Yeah, it was good. Uh, we did try and live podcast while we were away. We we're going to do um, one per city. We did it once and didn't mm. get time for the rest or didn't get around to it. Uh, are we going to include that excerpt of us talking at the pub? Definitely.
1: Look, let's do this. Let's start previously to that. So we rocked up to the airport on a Wednesday afternoon late. Stood in line and our flight got canned with, was
0: it Jetstar? It was with Jetstar, Perth to Adelaide. Real pain in the ass. Trying to be organised by going a day early, which did pay off in the end, because if that was the following day, we would have missed the show.
1: Yeah. So we had to go back home and then stay or get up at about, you know, 4.30ish to make the airport. So we started off pretty buggered when really the whole idea was to get there, hang out, yeah, chuck a bit of a party, but then be able to sleep in and relax.
0: Did not happen. Came back to my house after being told the flight was cancelled. Ate way too much fish and chips, enough to make us feel sick for the remaining three days. And uh, drank a lot of Cooper sparkling, like we always do. Oh, that was good. Woke up at, uh, what, 4am or something, and uh, yeah. headed it back to the Perth airport to catch a flight. Mm. Just got there in time, basically. Uh, arrived, picked up our van. Turns out the tyres were bald. And yeah. drive to a different Europe car to swap it yeah. Stress and balls a little bit by now But not too much And we still had a good few hours to kill Went to a friend's house for uh, yeah a couple hours of drinking 20 minutes of sleeping Worked out well We had a 12-seater van uh, With nine people in total And it was surprisingly comfy With all the gear and everything crammed into the boot Tetris style Just fit, nice and snug No need for a trailer or anything So, tour tip number one, get a 12 seater van and share it between two bands. Tour tip
1: number two, I like we had obviously two bands, so two drummers. I brought my cymbals in a cymbal case, a soft case that's actually quite low profile, and also a pedal case, which is a standard DW5000 pedal case, and a snare case. Then the drummer from Darker Half had it may have been a 14, I actually think it was a 16 inch. hard case for a floor tom but in that he just put his uh, snare drum pedals and also his click slash backing track rig all in the one case and he actually did that because before on previous tours they've had dramas with like just like we did towards the end and we've had in the past you know like where the baggage allowance isn't in kilos it's in pieces which is dumb Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was a really smart idea. So, all he had was a hard case for cymbals that has wheels and then this hard case for everything else, which was, I mean, kind of heavy-ish but not too bad. So, yeah, it worked out pretty awesome, man. I thought that really saved
0: some room in the van. Yeah, definitely. You'll be – are you happy with your setup, travel setup, or are you going to make some
1: adjustments? I did look for the exact case that Dom from Darker Half had and yeah, man, it's really good case because it's padded inside, hard case, and it's got a strap that goes around the whole thing. Uh, whereas the my sixteen inch floor tom case just has like three clips, and I've had them sort of break open before. So I, I prefer his, and it's more heavy duty and safer. But it's also about two hundred extra dollars, about three fifty for that case. Yeah. So about three fifty. Yeah, but totally worth it, man. Because if you get stung baggage once, you'll know about it. And um, and also, it's a lot easier to collate to
0: your pieces as they come out of the oversize. Like, you know, it's there. <laughs> what about you? Well, oh, that's probably another story. I was generally happy with how it was all packed in and, you know, having uh, one hand luggage with um, just a guitar head in it mm-hmm. and, um, and a guitar to check in uh, and a merch bag to check in. Uh, tour tip number one or three, whatever we're up to. Uh, don't leave your guitar cables in your carry-on luggage if you are planning on taking your guitar head on the on the as carry-on. Uh, luckily, I didn't get pulled over by it, but generally, you would if you've got um, cables and s- uh, general strangling devices with you. Mm. You don't want to be losing those on tour. <clears throat> so and uh, yeah, so following that first flight, I did pack them into the guitar case where they were meant to be, all along with. Did they pull uh, you up? But yeah, just. Um, No, they didn't, surprisingly. They always pull us up with um, our Kempers through the... um, Security. uh, Wherever. That's the one. Security. Um, So, because they're essentially a computer, uh, you take them out as you would any general laptop type Mm. of device. Um, So, if you've got it out in the um, container, they don't ask any questions, but if it's hiding in your bag, it confuses them.
1: Yeah, I've been pulled up before for having too much cable in my pedal case because I brought... In Man, I can pack so good into that um, pedal bag. That's why I bring it. I have a trigger module, which is another story. Um, Then two leads to run that, a power cable. Plus, one time I brought an interface and also stuffed like two quite long XLR cables and a couple of mics. And they actually said to me, they go, what the hell is this just looks like in the x-ray thing, just a big hunk of copper wire. What the fuck are you doing? And obviously, it's yep. super heavy as well when everything's in there. Um, it really does add up. And so, yeah, I learned quick. By the way, never have I brought mics and cables and interfaces on tour and used them. Like I always <laughs> get
0: ambitious, like we're going to podcast or we're going to record some demos yeah. and it's never happens, man. Yeah, I think that's just a general thing uh, in terms of travelling, whether it's with music or not. You always just have all these intentions. You're going to have so much time. You're going to be able to finally do all this stuff, but you never get around to it. You just get too tired or sidetracked. Subkeeps. Yeah. Uh, not much. Lodging on tour. I mean, podging, whatever we do. Yeah, got it myself a schmitty here. Man, don't sound too happy about it. I'm actually pretty happy about the schnitty. Just tired
1: as a... Um, tired as a ratty one. Yeah. Um, the rat
0: king. Tired as the rat king. <laughs> So what is it, like 6pm in Adelaide? It's uh, currently 7.19. Are you me? Yeah, so an hour till door's open. We've already loaded in. Merch set up. Oh. Uh, bailed out of the old uh, Adelaide venue and over the road to the local pub. $5 um, Captain Morgan's and Cokes and $12
1: schnitzels. So i got a chicken schnitty here, so I'll be eating online.
0: I can crunch away. Pretty tired. Is that drinking all day? Or so well? buggered. Yeah, I think so. But Staying We had this scene the sun. rocked
1: up yesterday at the airport. First time what about 4.30 got told about 5.30 our flight had been cancelled so went back to Katter's. Jet Jetstar by the way Jetstar terrible went back to cabba got drunk ate tons of fish and chips and then um,
0: <laughs>
1: went to sleep got up at
0: 4.30 did it again do it again got on the um, yeah, second time lucky, the plane left, arrived in Adelaide, it was uh, at whatever time, sometime in the, before midday, just before midday, went to a mate's house, drank beer, came, uh, oh, I had slept for 20 minutes, which worked a treat for me, I've got to say. I should say like we met me up man. with, um, a funny thing happened, not funny at all, after your flight was cancelled,
1: we went to a um, uh, Europe car to get our high car. And they go, yeah, here's your car. By the way, the tyres don't work. They'll last you until Sydney, and then we'd replace them, but we recommend you don't drive on them. So what do we do? We have to drop it off for them in the city, get another van, swap it over. So we drive into the city, swap it over, and we're supposed to meet our tour buddies, Darker Half from Sydney, and as we're driving out with the new van they're just standing out there in the end of the alley like waving to us like oh hey guys so we drove around the
0: block and picked him up pretty funny tour life eh hashtag tour life 12 seater van it's worked out a lot cheaper for us than uh, flying wood having two vans share a van and fuel works it went well well we'll see been through two cartons of beer already yeah So no accommodation tonight apart from the very van that we're driving. So after the after the um, gig finishes, we start at midnight. So we'll probably be out of the venue by about two or something like that. Drive to the old uh, Melbourne. Yeah. However long that is, eight hours, ten hours. Yeah. Yeah. Rock up. uh, Hopefully with a few hours sleep under our belts. Yeah. Well. it
1: saves us money not getting accommodation tonight, but it means that one of us has to drive, or, like, a couple of us. Yeah. And, and eight hours isn't that bad, but eight hours, fucking in the middle of the night, all night, that's brutal. I've been told, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe you can take over at 4 a.m. I'm like, fucking hell, sure, yeah. all right, I guess that's... I guess I'll do that, but yeah, it probably makes more sense if we make it there all right so just check in if we can and get some sleep during the day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty much and if we get there for whatever, 10, 11 o'clock or something. Hopefully be able to get into the venue where we're staying as well. They have um, rooms like a backpacker sort of thing. Hopefully be able to rock a bunk bed, probably sleep next to Ash, try and crawl over onto him <laughs> while he's sleeping. It'll yeah. probably be really hot and we'll probably get the... Uh High Crusher fan From downstairs Suitable for 400 person venue Into our Four bedroom. room These are things That happened
1: last time We played at this venue And it was uh, Yeah pretty funny And that should be
0: The biggest show Of the tour Hopefully it goes well Yeah good lineup. up hey. Actually tonight's a good lineup. Man. It is man They're all good lineups. Who can I thank for that Who booked it um, Mostly Dicey so Just getting my pub meal. So, is just getting himself a schnitty.
1: He saw that I'd got mine. I don't know, I got chicken. I'm sure he's got chicken as well. Um, it's a pretty good meal, 12, $12.90. Chicken schnitzel, chips, and salad, which I definitely won't eat. Although, maybe I should actually, because I feel like I need some sort of nutrients. What'd you get, chicken or beef? Chicken with pepper sauce,
0: exactly the same oh. as you. Okay, cool. I, I knew I'd be jealous if I didn't get that. Yeah, isn't it? it uh, wow, this is. Highly uninteresting, but we're sitting at the pub in another city watching the football team from our own city point. Mm.
1: Yeah, it is pretty different. There's all these sports betting and all these freaks around us. Mm. I like
0: the betting. Um, One five bucks on the pokies. Mm. Which is fun. Something we don't have in Perth, the pokies. Mm. Mm. I enjoy them. Jim's probably got a, a problem. He, he's probably up like $300. Yeah. You know.
1: Chuck Norris appears to be in one of these cars over there. The monster trucks. Really? But they're definitely weird compared to a Perth, like coming somewhere like Adelaide. And we're used to everything being so Jim Bean, or what What am I drinking? Jacks, a Jackson Coke. Which I don't normally drink, but I need a friggin' caffeine hit, that's for sure. Actually, I should definitely neck somebody, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah course. What are you waiting for? Super sugar hit, caffeine here. I've got to get through. Just found out I'm playing
0: at midnight. Is that for real? Yeah. Listeners, if you want to have a drink with Ash, start in 3, 2, 1, skull. Yeah, starting at midnight There's something we're also not used to. In Perth, all the venues, you don't have a gig that ever finishes after 12. Um, but every other city, it seems to be pretty standard to go till sort of one o'clock. Yeah, is and business. The question is, if you're the headliner, should you be playing at that sort of time? I'm, you know, Do people go home before that time? Yeah. I don't think it's the prime time.
1: Man, I'm telling you, I would go home. Yeah. Well, I'm a lazy old bitch, because I get up at
0: 5am these days, so... Fuck, like, I'm ready for bed already. Yeah. How about you? Do you stick around, though. You're good. I would if I had to, like, if there was someone I wanted to watch. Yeah. Um, but if I'm just... Rocking out for a night out, and not caring who's playing, I probably wouldn't stay to the end. I'd just yeah. watch the bands sort of playing second or third, you know? That's... Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to keep in mind for that time. I also Tour tip number one. I've I really missed lately
1: playing like second last. Yeah, I oh, really right. enjoyed that slot. I think it's really good.
0: Um, also, cool thing about Adelaide Free Airport trolleys. Yeah, we got. Also, Perth Airport. If you're missing a trolley, don't go to Dyson's house. Yeah, because we brought it back today. I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm eating now that I found out we're playing a bit later. Usually, I don't like to eat too close before a be, but yeah, being so late, man, Jesus, I need some sustenance for sure. What else? We can wrap it up. Just edit short segments together. Should we quit? See you next time. Tour tip number two from me is mm-hmm. triggers. I've talked a lot about internationally, I've never got my triggers to work. So what it is, is it has a DC uh, power pack or wall wart, whatever you call those things, and it steps down whatever the power is. It, it, it's a switchable power supply. So it goes from 100 volt, which is Japan, all the way through to Europe, which is 230. So, it covers every country in the world. But when I've been to all these countries, it never fucking works. I think in the UK it did. Actually, only the UK it did. But everywhere else, I think there's something to do with amps maybe, uh, like this, which is the current that goes through the power supply, and it doesn't feed him quite enough, and the screen will light up, but the actual module doesn't function. And anyway, this is not so much... It was different to that on this tour, but yeah, I didn't use it on the three days. Because of our delayed flights and et cetera, et cetera, we were often kind of rushed on stage a bit. And I was more concerned with getting the changeover right for my kit than setting up the bloody triggers. And I was chatting to all the other drummers on tour, especially Dom and George from Bane of Asilda, who, who've done touring. And they go, well, George is the classic one. He goes, I said, hey man, do you trigger life? And he goes, what are triggers? And, like, (laughs) hilarious, hilarious, because it's so much of a pain in the ass. There's so many more things you should get right first. And, yeah, we do have, like, reasonably fast double kicks here and there, but I find that I don't think it's fast enough to warrant triggers. The only person who wants triggers really is, like, the rest of the band for monitoring purposes. I think it makes it easier, but... The five minutes that that takes to set up, sound check and possibly troubleshoot, it's not worth it. So, I'm not going to carry them on the next tour. I'm, I've am i had enough.
0: Good call, man. I agree. Mm. Yeah. As, as good as they sound, again, if you're a good enough drummer, it doesn't matter.
1: I totally agree. And I really think that the onus is on the sound engineer to get the bloody kick drum sound right. Um, yeah. Once again, to talk about Bloody Cannibal Corpse, yeah, not the fastest kicks on earth, but they get a trigger sound when they play live because of the way that they mic up the kick drum. So why doesn't everyone do
0: that? Cool. So we did arrive in Adelaide and we played a gig there on the day that we arrived uh, after an entire afternoon of drinking out in the sun, but we seemed to get through that all right. Mm. It was at the Enigma Bar in Adelaide, which is a uh, really cool venue for um, for local stuff. Uh, I don't, it's a few hundred capacity. I'm not sure exactly, but... Um, yeah, a very supportive venue and um, it was pretty cool upstairs, decent sound and a uh, really good lineup and a uh, turnout that we're pretty happy with, sold a bit of merch. Uh, yeah, it went well, did I've, it? Yeah, I thought it was good.
1: The set was good too and how do you think the set went because it was actually the first time
0: I've ever used click tracks on stage with Claim the Throne. Oh uh, Yeah. Did, they, did you notice? Yeah, man. It was a beautiful change, to be honest. Um, after the gig, you said it didn't work for the first few songs, but I actually hadn't noticed that. I thought we were using clicks, so obviously it paid off jamming with them um, for the last few weeks, uh, which we've never really done before, and I think it does make a huge difference. I've been really enjoying it, mm. as opposed to speeding up the songs to uh, 10 times their intended speed, and um, thinking that we're struggling at guitar. I'm like, how the hell did I record this song? But... Yeah, playing them at their normal speed. It feels slow at first, but once you get get the flow happening, um, yeah, definitely a lot better and uh, helps us play a lot tighter.
1: Yeah, I never seem to notice when other bands have like slow, groovy parts. I just get into the music. So let's take Bellacore. They have these the nice epic sections, and when I'm listening on record and when I'm watching live, I'm just like into it. Whereas when I go to play that on the kit, let's say if I'm practicing and I'm jamming along to a Bellacore song for fun, I'm going, wow, this is feels kind of slow to play because whenever I play it's always like blistering speed and in the jam room when I've used a click in the past especially gearing up for an album um, if I play the previous album stuff to a click everyone goes that feels super slow that's what's wrong with that and we always crank it up and even in the clicks we get a lot faster I speed them up but yeah I just stuck to my guns this time and you did as well like backed me up like look let's just do it it sounds weird to us, feels strange to play, but I think it's going to come off better. And man, I didn't see anyone in the crowd like looking at their watch and counting their heart rate and going like, how many fucking BPM is this? Because that's not what Claim of Throne is about. It's about epicness and it's about groove and it's about headbanging. So you can't get that if you're playing at ridiculous speeds.
0: No, it, was, it was really nice and uh, I hope we keep doing that. <clears throat> I can't see any reason why we wouldn't. You know how I set it up? No, I don't. Tell me,
1: please. Please. Fortunately, I record... Our our, well, our most recent album so i've just taken the clicks directly from that but even if i didn't and for the songs that let's say off ale tales that i didn't record on i just set a click to the same level every single song put a little bit of guitar into it only if it felt tight with the click and um, and mostly because we have tempo changes in a few of our songs then i bought these sure headphones in ears uh they're I think they're called SE215 or 215 SE, and it cost me about 120 bucks. Bought them on the train on the way to a gig, I think, recently. Came in the mail like a few days later, had them at jam, and usually I have to use a mixer to amplify the clicks in my ears. But man, I could run this directly out of my phone on flight mode to a tip number one, <laughs> so you don't get a phone call during a set. <laughs> and yeah, and they, it doesn't go honestly, flat halfway through the set. Yeah. And it seriously came through the in with a full band going at rehearsal and at a gig on half volume. Whereas before, mm. or even if I'm going to work listening to a podcast, I'm on like three quarters volume. So, the in work so good, man. And you can get better models and they're more expensive. I'm not sure. It's probably just the fidelity. But for me, just playing to just a click track pretty much. Man, I found it really good. And another handy thing was to like obviously sort out with the band how many clicks you're going to count them in for, have your count in sorted. But also personally, like you got to keep it pretty consistent. I try and have every song a four count. Even if it's a different time signature, I try and make it so I'm not surprised or I don't forget that that particular song was like a six count or a three count. And uh, if anything is different, I just write it on my set list on the day But yeah, man, after that first set, it was just fucking easy and it really took the pressure off me live because I kind of knew I was in the ballpark and it just allowed me to not worry about something and I could like focus Mm. on what you guys were doing and focus on my parts and stuff. It made it 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 great, man. I I really loved it.
0: That's great. So, we played that set, finished at about 1am. Tour tip number one, if you're the headlining band... Sort of sucks starting after midnight. Totally. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's at a bar and people are keen to stay late, but I think, um, yeah, peak time is sort of probably like around 10 o'clock, sort of thing. If you started at 11 as a headlining band, that's all right. Still, people will stay till 12, but yeah, getting on after midnight it's getting pretty late. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I mean, it didn't really seem to affect us too much, um, turnout wise uh, and tiredness wise, but just something to be aware of, I think not not ideal
1: second last is always good
0: yeah i think it's cool if you're on tour in a different city as well you can get a a big pulling band from that city to technically headline and play last but if you can play just before them works out pretty well i think totally Um, unless you got really huge egos and you don't want anyone playing before you um but yeah i think it's good Anyway, we finished by like 1 o'clock or something, packed up and everything by after 2, 2.30, perhaps the time of the dentist, 2.30, and uh, got directly into a van and drove to Melbourne. <laughs> At least tried to. Uh, to a tip number one, if you are driving on uh, country roads in the middle of the night and it's cold, it gets misty as fuck and uh, you can't see where you're driving, so it was good to sort of pull over for an hour or so. Get everyone to have a snooze including the sober driver and all of the trunk passengers uh, and oh. then um, pick up where you left off and keep trudging along. Did you notice that the high beams actually made it harder to see?
1: Did you, did you spot that? I did, yeah. Low beams are better in fog and if you've got fog lights on your van, definitely use them because what a fog light is is under near the bumper and that'll go underneath the fog and light up more of the path. But yeah, I found that there was like, Mm -hmm. when you turn the high beams on, it was just like epically bright and you've got to go slow in fog anyway, which sucks. Or um, yeah, you just do what we did. We persevered and then just pulled over. But I think consequently, barely anyone slept because we're all kind of freaking out at the amount of fog
0: going on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, so this tour, um, we did make a decision being only three shows and... Um, having another van with us it was um, just a lot more practical to have a van as opposed to catching flights to each venue each day Uh, yeah it was a lot cheaper and probably a bit easier Uh, that being said driving does have its um, its difficulties and potential problems that can go wrong Uh, so just yeah I think you just need to be prepared for all of the things that can happen when you do drive. Uh, I think we handled it pretty well, made it to all the shows with plenty of time and everything. But um, yeah, driving's good, but I don't know. How did you find it? I found
1: it fucking scary. And I wish I was pretty drunk and I wish I was behind the wheel as a sober person because I felt really not in control. And everyone has the best intentions of staying awake and being a co pilot, but. When everyone else is hammered and had a big night and gotten up at 4 a.m., it's really hard to stay awake. So, yeah, I found pulling over was the right thing for the job and getting up on daylight and
0: recommencing was like a really cool idea. Yeah. So, it's just, you know, if if you happen to be in a big time rush and you think, you know, Google Maps says it's an eight-hour drive, we can hammer that in. Just bear in mind that if you, yeah, especially if you're doing it overnight, things can go wrong and you're not going to get there in time. So give yourselves enough time and don't rush. One thing that happened, uh,
1: you said eight-hour drive. Somehow it took us fourteen, and I know that that was because <laughs> we did slow down during the fog. We did stop for an hour and we had about a half an hour break at a fuel stop. But then myself and Dom, the drummer of Darker Half, took the helm. So he was driving and I was co-pilot. I didn't have a map.
0: When was this? About two or three hours from Melbourne.
1: Uh, we were about two, yeah, about two and a half, three hours from Melbourne. We took over, Dicey had a well-earned sleep and we were driving in a straight line and we just kept driving in the road in a straight line. I didn't have a map out, Dom didn't have a map out, I didn't say anything, he didn't say anything so we both sort of thought the other knew where the fuck they were going but we really didn't and uh, yeah, we were supposed to actually turn off onto a different road and yeah, we pulled up for like a piss stop after two and a half hours driving, so we should have like pretty much been in <laughs> Melbourne and um, Dicey checked the map and he goes, oh, four and a half hours or four hours and 17 minutes. Oh, okay. And I said, what? And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, the map's just got a refresh. Don't worry about it. And then Jesse did it and she goes, oh, mine says four hours, 21. And then everyone sort of pulled out their maps and it all said over four hours. I'm like, what the hell? Realised we were in country Victoria, uh, getting close to the border of New South Wales. <laughs> And so, we basically had to, <laughs> we didn't backtrack, but we had to detour. We almost went like in a V shape up and then we had to go in a V shape back and we tacked, yeah, literally four hours onto our trip. So, this eight-hour trip with fog and a detour took us 14 hours and yeah, we rolled into Melbourne. Instead of just lunchtime and have a big snooze, we rolled in at, I don't know, what time?
0: Three? Uh, yeah, around, uh, probably 4.20, no, I don't know, around that sort of time, mm. and um, because it was a, uh, quite a big gig, there was eight bands, sort of <laughs> like a mini fest, <laughs> doors were at, what, seven, uh, five, maybe five uh, o'clock? Six, six five, bands were, sound check was five or six, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so we had a couple hours, we sort of had to do a bunch of things, skip lunch and whatever, but in the end, it wasn't even an issue, really, Yeah, whatever, we were happy, we were in good spirits, we are in Melbourne, playing at the Bendigo Hotel, awesome place, and uh, started smashing back the drinks. And we had a lot of Perth people rock up.
1: expats from Perth in Melbourne. So that was pretty cool. But also other bands. Uh, King were there. They're always good value. And um, fuck who else was on the lineup. There was that prog band that I miscategorized as prog. And they told me off in the toilet and said they were doom. <laughs> uh, oh, Meridian. The they, they were really Meridian, cool. I had not seen them before enjoyed it yeah i thought they were good and i was trying to like like give him a compliment and he goes oh we're actually doing
0: that i was like oh, crap. sorry <laughs> there was uh mason who was thrash band from uh, melbourne but they've got a perth born guitar well perth uh a guitarist previously from perth a few years ago um so it was good to see him grant burns who used to play guitar in vespers descent oh no way i didn't now plays in mason yeah i didn't even know i did not know him that's why i don't know Shreds hard, and uh, they're off on a 16-date Canadian tour, I think. Mad. Sounds fun. I would like to do that. Skip America, straight to Canada. Yeah, Canada's cool. But uh, yeah, Bendigo Hotel is cool. Great place. It is, yeah. Just again, maybe like 400 cap or something like that, and um, a nice sort of back room where the bands can uh, put all their shit, Uh, lots of tables to set up merch. Tour tip number one is get to the venue early and set up your merch before other bands do, otherwise you'll be left with uh, no space to set up your merch and home will buy shit, as other Mm. people learnt on that night, not us.
1: You reckon that was probably the best set we played on the tour at Melbourne? By far, yeah.
0: Yeah, it felt great, man. Felt really good. Hmm. I don't know what it was, we were just sort of all in the zone that night and it was just a really good atmosphere at the venue. Um, It wasn't sort of stress, there was no rush or anything. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. We just played tight and the vibe was good in the crowd. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Maybe we just had the right amount of drinks, I guess. Not too little, not too much. I had too much. Until afterwards was too much. Before you played? Yep, definitely.
1: I had to go up to the <laughs> room and just chill out for 10 minutes. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of had a bit of a moment. Just sculled some water and then... Uh, started to sort of stretch and warm up and yeah man it paid off I I didn't think I was going to pull it together to be honest but again the click track is kind of like this um, friend in your friend in your face if you like Ren and Stimpy where I knew like I was possibly going to be in trouble but I paced myself whereas in the past and I know my last few shows when I've been a bit reckless yeah I think of Rust in Perth where I just went out there probably a few too many drinks under I struggled like hell so yeah it was cool. Really nice. And and you can tell when everyone's vibing because you get in the zone.
0: Real good. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else to discuss from that night. A bar does stay open until really late. So we were up uh, drinking. <clears throat> that was good fun. It was still pretty packed. I like that the, the venue has that option of the small little back bar that just stays open and people can just sort <clears> of <throat> recap the night and chill out before they go home play Mm. some pool listen to some metal then we went to bed because we were sleeping upstairs at the venue and so we got a good one and a half hour's sleep or something like that um, (laughs) to leave in time to get to Sydney on the road again (laughs) Uh, and as if enough things hadn't have gone wrong already by this point uh, the venue had locked up some of the entrances to the downstairs area because uh, well mainly to keep our gear safe that we were leaving there overnight while we were sleeping there so we get up at what was it just about six or a bit earlier and we can't can't get out of the the upstairs area to access any of our gear so uh, we like well let's just try and catch another hour sleep or something and hopefully someone's here soon another hour and a bit rocks by no one's there start making phone calls and whatever and eventually a cleaner was there by about eight o'clock or so let us out so tour tip number one if you are planning to leave your gear somewhere make sure the people know uh, what time you need it the next day. Or you make some kind of a key arrangement because that was brutal. Yeah. So anyway, we ate McDonald's for breakfast. They're ordering from vending machines. I actually have never done that at Macca's before. I enjoyed mm. that until my machine didn't work. <laughs> but still got a good muffin and some shit. <coughs> and uh, we're on our way to Sydney, which took a good, I don't know, tw- <laughs> a lot of hours again. I think we got there just in time for doors um, by about 7 p.m. Totally. To the bald-faced tag in Sydney.
1: Totally exhausted and they're screaming for the drum kit. Oh, and by the way, Dom was doing double duty and he was opening that night as well as playing in Darker Half. So, the drum kit had to go directly on stage and he had to sound check. That's chat. right, yeah. And I felt I was so knackered. I was mm-hmm. starving and I really wanted a beer and I just – and I stank. So, I just went like, you know what, going to have to man up here um, – yeah, and I went and helped him set up and made sure he was all cool because I thought I'd hate to be that poor dude like having to do all that. So, that's a that's a tip. Don't be a lazy bastard, especially because Dom was lending us the drum kit that night. So, you know, put in the effort. Everyone's tired. Yeah,
0: be a good egg like Ash. I thought they were pretty cool too. His other band called Flaming Wreckage, some good riffs.
1: Yeah, I didn't see Flaming Wreckage because I was outside drinking beers with Razor Ray, of course. Like I always
0: do. And uh, I actually had bangers <laughs> well, and mash and it was delicious. Twelve dollars, not too shabby. The pokies are all gone from there. They've got some refurbs going on. Um it's a pretty cool venue there. We have had some rough ones in the past where people haven't gone, but it was a pretty decent turnout. It's pretty happy with it. Had some on stage dramas like I always do. <laughs> I think only a few only a few episodes ago we were chatting about my current guitar uh rig setup and um I do use the Kemper, but I'm just always having problems with it, and um, it had been perfectly fine in Melbourne the night before. Something weird happened in Adelaide, but got through it, but Sydney, it just was doing this really weird cutout thing that it's done once before at an important gig, and it just sort of drops out, sort of fades down for two seconds, and then fades back in for a couple of seconds, and then fades back down. Uh, so it just makes the guitar sound really horrible, and as if that wasn't enough, uh, string broke in the at the end of the first song. Uh, and being that we don't have a whole lot of baggage allowance to take, we don't take a spare guitar and have not really had a problem with it before. But anyway, here we were and playing seven string guitars means that no one else in the venue has a spare seven string to borrow. So I um, had to run off the stage with the guitar, uh, try and replace the string. Tour tip number one, make sure you bring spare strings. Um, so started replacing that, was freaking out a bit, uh, was taking too long. Luckily, the very Dom that we've been speaking about this episode was there to help a drummer who knows how to dominate guitar strings while he was putting that on for me, like the good egg that he is, I came back on stage to um, play the next song as a pure vocalist while everyone else played uh, their instruments, which was really weird, but, uh, you know, what can you do? We struggled through, so that was pretty good. And then uh, then he came back on stage for me for the next song with a guitar restrung and ready to go, and we got
1: through it. <laughs> Man, he knows a lot of stuff about a lot of things. I really liked that guy. It was really cool hanging out with him and sort of... Even though I met him before, just really getting to know him a lot more was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, wealth of knowledge from everything from you know uh, gear and playing to uh, marketing, promotion and touring and everything. So yeah, definitely a good one. And um, Darker Half in general, uh, really good people, really good musicians, really good songs. If you're into power metal, make sure you check them out. Uh, it was funny, their singer Vo just seems to know every song ever, especially if it's like 80s metal. Uh, and, yeah, a lot of the venues would play that sort of stuff and in the car and everything, and he just knows the words to everything, singing along, real funny. And uh, their yeah. bass player uh, broke the record for the fastest on-stage run at the <laughs> Portsmouth Stag in Sydney, 0. <laughs> uh, 0.6 seconds to run across the stage whilst playing bass. We were laughing at him doing all the running, so decided to time it, and it was good. The Rat King. Yeah, you
1: don't, you don't get to become the Rat King without being as fast as a rat.
0: <laughs> um probably practices on his spin wheel all the time.
1: So one thing talking about Vo is that his rig in in Adelaide was a pedal, just a pedal. And I asked him about it and I said what's the deal with your rig man? And he goes, "Oh, this is the amplifier." So not amplifier spelt normally, it's amply and then fire f i r e and then I think it's made by Atomic Pedals. Anyway, I looked into it after the rig what he after the rig. <laughs> looked into it after the gig <laughs> and he was plugging it straight out of that into his into a power amp or the he had a power amp some borrowed it off someone or something at Adelaide but in the other gigs he would plug it into the effects return of the amp from the previous band um, and usually when you do have a big head like a you know support band uses a 50 or 100 watt head they do have an effects loop so he was doing that straight out of the pedal into the effects return anyway, Why this is important is that I was telling Cabal, oh, you're having problems with the Kemper. Check out this uh, amplifier thing. And turns out it's pretty much like a Kemper in a pedal. So it's a modeling software unit but looks like a traditional pedal with three switches. And so you'll choose, you know, like a clean, a gain and a boost or something like that. Anyway... It got me thinking all about rigs and what you could do because, I don't know, what is it about the Kemper that keeps fucking
0: up for you? It's not a normal thing. I think I must have, I've knocked mine or I've pressed something or I've done something but I just have constant issues Um, and I know a few other people with Kempers who don't have these problems and have tried troubleshooting for me and we've tested things on various ones and it's only mine that stuffs up. Um, So I'm not sure but yeah, nonetheless, I don't know, it just gets a bit. Difficult trying to when when these unexpected things happen on stage, and you're trying to play guitar and sing and trying to troubleshoot all the issues. I just wanted to now get away from I don't know digital things or extra leads or um, you know whatever all this stuff. I'd like to just know exactly what the problem is when it happens. Um, but that being said, looking into this whole uh, beefed up pedal idea that yourself and I have been looking into the last few days. Um, yeah, we'll give that a shot see how it goes.
1: Yeah, it's funny because like there are kind of a couple of options playing live. For a guy like you, you need a clean tone that sounds cool. Uh, so, maybe it doesn't, n- not a dry clean tone. So, you kind of want a little bit of delay or reverb or both on it and then you have a distorted sound, so heavy high gain. Then you have a lead sound which is, also has a little bit of delay and possibly some reverb to cut, and a boost to cut through, right? So that's why you've got the Kemper because it allows you to put multiple effects chains on a single click of a button. But because it's not working out for you, it's like, what's the alternative? If you do a pedal board, like a sick pedal board, it, that fucking quadruples eight times the amount of leads plus it, it brings in this thing of batteries and also power supplies um, if you don't go the pedal route, oh, and then you've got to figure out how the hell to get power to it. So do you use your power amp, which is another thing in the chain, or do you plug into an effects return? And then you're using someone else's head anyway to do that. So why don't you just use their head in the first place? So it's a little bit hard to figure out what to do. If it was just distortion, you could probably just get away with a pedal or and run into the clean tone of someone's amp or use a power amp or something like that. But man, it's... Honestly, it's really complicated and I think I've come up with the perfect solution if I brought this up two years ago to you as a touring band. And you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, so Uh, a huge problem and this goes with my triggers as well is that I can't get the fuckers to work around the world. So, they work fine in Australia and fine in UK which both have... 230 volts power, right? Japan, they didn't work, even though I supposedly had the correct power supply. And in America, they didn't work or barely worked, right? They definitely didn't work on 70,000 tons, which was a huge gig for us. Uh, so it's easy for me. I just say, fuck it. I'll just use a microphone. But for you, it's like, Jesus, you couldn't use your camper on the boat either. It didn't work. So you, were you did you use amps that whole US tour? Uh,
0: no, I used the camper. The camper was fine, actually. It was my. Um Big ass Behringer pedal that I brought along and that didn't work. Yeah. So the whole tour, I was using my Kemper, but without a pedal, this like six kilogram, one meter long pedal that I'd lugged halfway across the world. Couldn't use it at all. Yeah. Same as Japan. That's right. That's right.
1: And that's what caused you to fall down the stairs that time when you were trying to change your amp settings. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> thongs um, with in a in beer thongs yeah that's that was fucking bad anyway um so this is my idea man I, I was reading kind of inspired by a pete thorne article and i would love to get pete thorne on the show and i've chatted to him for you listeners out there who give a crap um so we're going to try and get him on he has an a rig and a b rig now this guy is a session museo for like sound garden Melissa Etheridge, some huge Japanese artist that I don't know the name of, like heaps of crew and he's really well known for that. Um, and his A-Rig is because he's, you know, touring with successful people, it's they get him amps wherever they go or he is has the capacity to check in a 100 watt amp of his choice. But when he's doing a gig that's like a fly-in show or something small, he has just a pedal board. And he gets a pro set up so all the power is supplied to it properly and he takes it to the gig, hires an amp or in our case we'd use, uh, you know, borrow someone's. And he gets to plug in the front end of the amp through the clean tone and he can get a wide variety of tones from like, for him, like f- fucking six to eight pedals. Whereas for you, you your needs are much less diverse than his. It's just a good clean tone lead tone and solo tone so or rhythm and solo but the problem with that is is that he's using and a lot of guys use these voodoo labs iso uh, iso pedal power boxes and just to demonstrate to caba i actually have one right here this thing cost me like 200 bucks ish and it is 220 to 240 volt only so it's like that rig's only ever going to be useful if you go to europe uk or australia or wherever has 220 volt power and i mean most amps that are 230 volt are gonna cover that range anyway so it's like you're almost if you're going to use that pedal thing you almost need a power supply that'll suit the three major places japan 100 volt uh, america 120 volt or um europe uk and australia 230 volt so then it it also got me thinking again it's like well maybe you need an a rig Because that UK, Europe, Australia and Indonesia counts in there too, that pretty much covers one whole voltage. So maybe why don't you get a mini head that has cool tone that you'd love to play in your hometown of Perth that you can take onto a plane and that's your tour rig for there. Then for everywhere else like Japan, you might have a pedal rig with pedal power at 100 volts And I'm pretty sure that the pedal power goes from 100 volts to 120 and you could use that in the US as well. If you wanted to take it further, you buy the same amp you use in Australia and you use that in the US. But that obviously, I say two years ago because that's, you know, we were doing a lot more touring. But now we don't have any tours after this next thing in Indonesia. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of a pedal for now because it's a cheaper option in case, let's pretend we never fucking play a show ever again. Would it be worth getting rid of your whole rig what are your thoughts
0: really good Um, so you're talking an A and a B rig essentially. pretty much yeah yeah it's funny because after I've just been having all these problems with the digital amps it just gets me going I just want to go back to basics and like you were saying get you know a mini head of of a tube amp that I like to play at home just a smaller version that I can travel with Um, however lies the problem Um, like you said voltage wise in certain countries um, also perhaps if we played a bigger festival, it might not really cut the mustard, not too sure. Mm. Um, but anyway, so then you were sort of, um, throwing a few ideas at me on the plane on the way back and, um, talked me around a little bit, I think, and got home, and started looking up various types of, uh, smaller pedals to begin like a pedal board type situation, which I'm also reluctant about, um, just for the amount of. Cables, you know, even if they are the smaller daisy-chained one, just I know my guitar history and problems that I've had on stage for the last 15 years, and I don't know, <laughs> less cables the better. But that being said, um I did check out that uh & Kettner Tube Man uh, pedal that uh, I'd heard you uh, <coughs> suggest anyway, and it sounded really good. There's great reviews online. It only weighs a couple of kilos, And um, has pretty much exactly what I need, Uh, you know, three buttons, clean, gain, whatever I want the third one for, crunch or lead. And again, either plug through a um, power amp that I've already got, I'll just need to bring that along, extra cables, but that's cool, run it through a cab if it's on stage, Um, or DI, which I've never really done in the past despite having a Kemper, I tend to avoid it, (laughs) but... Nonetheless, you won't be able to DI with that alone because
1: you won't right. have a cabinet simulator on it. Cool. So, okay. the sound so that, will be shit.
0: That's what the Kemper's kind of cool for. You can plan for both scenarios. Yeah. Um, which I do have two different performance modes, one with a cab and one through um, front house. But cool. So, it has to go through a cab.
1: Yes. You can get a thing called a Mesa cab clone. Or oh, there's heaps of them out there. But a Mesa cab clone, you can plug that chain into. It's passive and um, you could probably use a splitter or something and run that into the PA with like a pretend. Mm. The the reason I bring that up is because it's cheap and it's passive, so no more power, but it's extra leads, it's extra fucking around. But the idea is that that sounds like a closed back uh, cabinet mic'd up with a 57. But I don't Mm. think so. I think your two options really are using your power amp directly into a cab or... Using a um, just going into the front end of a cab that's already there, and that's kind of the thing I haven't mentioned yet. And that Pete Thorne did say it's hire an amp. So, if you're playing a big festival and you don't think that your 15 watt uh mini head is going to cut the mustard for that one show, you organize a 100 watt head and you plug your B rig into it, or you um, or you run for hey, for shits and giggles, you run your mini head. Uh, and I'm specifically thinking of one in my head, the EVH LBX2, which has a clean tone distortion that has a foot switch. You run that out of the effects send into the effects return of a big head. So you've still got your tone, but you're just using the power section of a big head to, um, to drive it at that gig and get lots of tone for you. Because, yeah, you are a far distance from your cab at a big show, so you'd have to crank the piss out of it to actually hear it.
0: So, yeah, I mean, and if you are playing at a show big enough, uh like a big festival, surely there's tons and tons of heads and different options and shit around, and all it takes is a little bit of networking and being friendly with other people and asking for a favor and borrow whatever they got. you know that's what you did on the boat, right, Messer boogie triple rectifier, Ah, uh, you're right, actually, yeah, that is yeah. that's what happened,
1: so, so I th- there you go, I think the solution is that there is no singular solution, and the only thing we found that was close was the laney. IRT studio, mm. which still was only Ironheart. Ironheart Studio, which is like a, um, I think it's either 15 or 20 watts, which is fine and will probably suffice. But it does 100, 120, 220, and 230 slash 40 volts. So you literally could take it all around the world and get it. But then you're at the behest of the tone that's on board with that amp. And it's also, you know, 16 inches wide and, um, you know, three inches tall and it's reasonably heavy. So, you're going to have to get that on a plane as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I reckon, you know, once again, it's for... If I have my time again, and this is what I'd recommend to other bands, it's get a rig that suits you for Australia really well that you can take anywhere in Australia on a plane. And if you can do that, you can take it to Indonesia on 230 volts, UK and Europe on 230 volts. And you're sorted... If you score a tour in Japan find uh, a pedal rig that works out sick or a modeler or something basically that allows you to use 100 volts. If you can't on your own steam, then just hire it. Japan tours don't go for like 60 dates. It's usually like four to eight. So, I'm sure it's not going to break the bank to hire a rig or like you say, do some networking and borrow a head off someone. And if you know the head you're going to borrow and you're unsure about it, go borrow one locally and then figure out what tone and that's what i suggest with the tubeman is like look see what you're up against at hammer Sonic and um the amps that are available and then hire them here and try them out or see if a friend's got one and just see what it sounds like plugging into the front end what it sounds like plugging in directly to the cab with your power amp and what it sounds like plugging into the effects return of a certain amp and just get a feel for all of them so when it the situation arises and you're like, oh fuck, uh, the plan A is not going to work. You can then go with plan B and C and you, you know you're going to get a tone. Because at the end of the day, it's just fucking guitar. You need to be able to switch on clean or distortion and you're sorted, man. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Cool. Now, it's going to be interesting and I will keep everyone updated if you care. Either way, I'll be talking to Ash about it on the podge. Uh, any other stuff from the tour that we need to run down? Flew home, had a bit of a drama with Qantas trying to get all our luggage on the flight. Um, so just try and pack light and plan ahead. Um, make sure you have confirmation emails if you book additional baggage. For uh, If I had the 16-inch Tom case, that wouldn't have happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But even still, yeah, you've got to plan ahead and be specific about which band members on Qantas that you want to apply the musician's allowance of extra baggage to because that's what they tried to catch us on, even though they admitted fault. <laughs> you've just got to mm. yeah, be really aware and make sure, like Dyson, the most organized person in the world, got your emails there, show them that you did the right thing, and then you can
0: argue your way through a storm. Just know how many pieces of luggage you're checking on, You know what they weigh, how big they are. Just uh, yeah, try and be as planned as possible as you can. It was a good tour though. Um, yeah, pretty decent turnouts. Sold a bit of merch. It was good fun. Pretty good considering we don't have a new album to promote. We didn't do a whole lot of promotion in terms of going hard on the you know the adverts. We didn't go. Um, didn't have any radio interviews. Didn't have any um, you know webzine sort of stuff. Just did it really sort of low key um for a bit of fun to keep the ball rolling um and all that didn't lose any money um so i think we did okay considering um got a lot of the support bands in each city to help out with um you know handing out flyers and, and promoting it in their uh, own city so it's pretty cool Don't know anything we could have done different do you think Largy? in hindsight
1: nothing that we didn't mention already so yeah just sorting out obviously your baggage your personal tour rigs what's important what's not going to get used Um, and that also includes a personal luggage so I brought extra jeans a couple of extra shirts and extra hoodies and stuff I used the hoodies while I was sleeping in the van as pillows but everything else man I, I pulled out half a bag full of clean clothes um yeah. Really, you just need your consumables, your socks, your jocks, and your automobiles and that's it. Anything
0: else going on since you got back? Not a goddamn thing Gabba. <laughs> uh what about you? Nothing uh yeah, not a whole lot. Need to start recording a couple episodes of the band tools podcast if you haven't listened to that yet, chuck it in your podcast app. Find me talking about tools for bands. Yeah, uh, the latest news in in um the online space for musicians is that Spotify no longer requires you, your band to have 250 followers if you want to verify your artist account. You can now do that um, as soon as you're on Spotify, uh, which has its benefits of being able to update your, um, your profile picture, your biography, um, your tour dates and things like that, have full access over your band account. Um, because, yeah, a lot of bands will be signed up uh, on Spotify via their record label or through, um, you know, CD Baby or TuneCore or one of those things. And if your songs popped up on there in the past, you couldn't get on to edit any of the shit until um, you had 250 followers. So uh, now you can do it whenever, which I found moderately interesting. That's all.
1: Uh, Speaking of the past, your present is in the past? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, seriously, it is. Oh. Really? Yeah, I've got a present for you, but it's in the past. Oh, cool. What is it? It was Cabba's birthday, first day of tour. I can <laughs> tell you what the fuck it is,
0: but hopefully you don't <laughs> have it already. I really hope you don't. Fuck, it's your birthday um, during Hamasonic. Yeah, we fly out on my birthday. Well, I do anyway. Mm. Are you going early? Yeah, a couple of days early to spend a few yeah. days in Barlow. Barlow. Album of the week.
1: Ah, <sighs> I'm going to go with Summoning Oathbound. Yeah, I've no. been going on
0: about Summoning a lot.
1: It's fucking awesome. So, you've, you've liked that and then didn't like it and now like it again? You told me quite a long time ago that Ian Crate Binet from Red Descending loves Summoning. And it's his favorite band, that I Should Listen to Stronghold. This is years ago. So, I listened to it and I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. Gave it a little bit of a shot, but I was like, oh, I don't think it's my bag, whatever. And then more recently... I just, for whatever reason, listened to it again, sounded awesome and emailed Ian saying, fuck man, I I think I finally get this album. And then he said, you should listen to, or I've been listening a lot to Oathbound. So I listened to Oathbound uh, every time I was trying to sleep on tour. So like on repeat, like four times in a row every night. And yeah, Mm -hmm. fucking really love it, man. So it's pretty awesome. And just enjoy it. It's something different, still kind of dark and heavy and stuff, but really oddly synthetically textured, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, pretty good. But you also mentioned that Oathbound was cool. Yeah, very interesting
0: band, that's for sure. Mm,
1: I love that they never, ever want to play live.
0: <laughs> yeah, same as Forefather, really. I don't know if I like that or not. I think I do.
1: Yeah, for I definitely do because... Uh, I'm a drummer who hides So I could
0: never imagine being a guitarist Who stands in front of everyone That sounds like a shit plan (laughs) It's funny eh These groups that just have like Two band members doing all the writing And then just never get a band And just keep releasing stuff Pretty cool Yeah Uh, What have you been listening to? uh, I'll go with um, I'm still going through a bit of a mellow death sort of phase Um, So today has been Dimension Zero Penetrations of the Lost World which is, uh, I guess, like, uh, sort of modern-sounding Swedish melodic death thrash mixed with a bit of old-at-the-gates-sounding dirtiness. Um, Full of riffs, pretty much, and dirty-ass vocals. Very fast. They seem like an old band, man. They are kind of old, but not old-old. I don't know what's old anymore. It's said that they formed in '95. Yeah, that'd be right. It's um, Jesper from In Flames, his side project, I think, at the time. <clears throat> mm.
1: uh, so wow.
0: I probably when In Flames started going a little bit less Swedish thrash, he did this as an outlet. I can only assume.
1: So it looks like they went through until mid two thousand and eight, and started up again in mid two th- again <laughs> in mid two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, right. I didn't know these things, but interesting. interesting.
0: So so what album was that, man? Penetrations of the Lost World. It's probably the... M-
1: oh, that's 1997. Oh, there you go.
0: Is that their first one?
1: Yeah, it's released on War Music, which, as you would obviously
0: know, <laughs> released uh, Eucharist's <laughs> EP, I think. That's probably why it sounds so filthy as opposed to their um, albums after that were a bit more um, cleaned up and that. But they've always still had, yeah, heaps of riffs. No shortage, no uh or killer, no filler, as they say.
1: What else? Like we, we have one more show uh in Perth and one more tour in Indonesia and then that's it. What are you gonna do about it? Uh
0: what's gonna keep me busy in the short future? Like you say, I'll probably try and just pump out a short little podcast episode weekly, uh the ones with you whenever we can. And music wise start trying to get some new claim the throne songs written again whilst we're preparing to release the already ready to be released album um, that will probably I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out like September as a likely release time perhaps and then December a likely tour time for it yep uh, so I'll be working on trying to get um, some interest for that album in the meantime throw and contact some labels and um, any promotional opportunities, uh, which is kind of cool, having everything just ready to go. Got two music videos done and and uh, waiting to be released. Uh, so in that time, if we can sort of write an album, so that by the time it's released and we're touring, we've already got the next one sort of ready to go. Uh, and may or may not do some side project stuff as well. Yeah, whenever I get creative blocks writing blocks when i'm doing claim throne stuff i tend to go directly to writing fast swedish death thrash. so i've decided to try and capture those ideas rather than just letting them drift into infinity so that may or may not happen you're going to call it something Are you going to call it Brendan Capriotti? (laughs) Call it Demo One. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. We'll see how it goes, you know. If I get a few more songs happening, you know, if it's sort of looking as though it could fill an album, uh, then, yeah, try and get a title and then consider whether I want to get any band members or not. But very early stages on that. And I think that's enough stuff to keep me busy for the rest of the year, basically. Do
1: you think if you did an album you'd play live? Yes. Short answer. Like, like, it's your wish to do anything that you record, you'd love to perform.
0: Uh, not anything that I record.
1: But like an, an an album worth of material you record, you believe it should be
0: performed? No, it's probably more about, I don't know, seeing if I can build a band from scratch again and doing things differently than what have happened with Claim the Throne, I guess. Uh Seeing if Claim the Throne was a fluke to be slightly successful or see whether I can do it again, I guess. um, Mm -hmm. I would enjoy the feeling of being a new band and being being sort of struggling for gigs and playing shitty shows and working my way up. I like the idea of giving that another crack. But no, I don't think you need to... Even at age uh, 47? (laughs) Even at age 47, yeah, depending what's happening in my life at the time, obviously. I'm so fucking different, man.
1: Like, Mm. I need you to tell me a gig has been booked for me to, like, think I have to play a gig because if you didn't say that, I would be staring at my poster of Paul Gilbert (laughs) eating Wheaties and just playing music into my computer.
0: That would be it. That's fine, man. Each to their own. Mm. It's uh, not not the wrong thing to do as long as you're enjoying it and you don't have goals of doing extra things that you're just not getting around to as long as that's what you want to be doing then awesome
1: we should wrap up because we've been crapping on a long time and i can tell you're ready to do you have kappa time tonight or uh yeah mostly
0: mostly so uh i will be so you're gonna do a post that's the plan yeah if i get off from you soon enough if i get off after i hang up to you (laughs) (laughs) uh should we have a song to play yeah man you pick you pick Can we go with Dimension Zero, uh, Through the Virgin Sky from Penetrations of the Lost World? Virgin Sky, Penetrations. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Through the Virgin's Penetrations.
1: Did you learn anything about music this last tour that you didn't know before?
0: Maybe, I'm not sure if I learned anything, but I probably heard of some cool ideas of things to try uh, from other musicians. I always enjoy chatting with other musos who are in similar positions as us and just seeing their take on things. It's, um, it's always good being able to bounce ideas off other people and seeing how other people go about it. Um, uh, mm. I'm not going to go into specifics now because that's a whole other podcast in itself. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Mm, mm. How many times do you think I can go, hmm, hmm,
1: hmm?
0: I'll go back and uh, we'll challenge challenge the listeners to go through and count those as you're listening. If you're still listening now, thank you very much. We've been Claim the Throne here for another episode of the Bloodcast. And uh, if you haven't already, check out the Andy Social podcast where Ash and myself are recent guests. Uh, search the Andy social in uh, your podcast app or on Google. You'll find it heaps of awesome episodes. There with lots of cool guests and including us in the last couple. I can't remember the exact episode, but it's a good one. And we'll catch you soon. We're playing a gig next Friday in Perth on the Swan river in a boat called the metal cruise with a few local acts. And we are playing the Hamasonic festival in Jakarta, Indonesia, in May as well, May 7th? May, yeah, May 7th, something like that. With Megadeth and all sorts of big-name bands. Hopefully, Abbath from Immortal gets really drunk and we see some cool things. It's going to be great fun. And after that, uh, keep your ears peeled for the details of our new album that will definitely be out this year. See you bye. <laughs>